All right. From a, the origins, the origins of Winwood Radio to um, what is very possibly, folks, very soon uh, wrapping up uh, sponsorship. Sounds like here in the next few weeks uh, to 7.50 a.m. Salem Media, San Diego. Discussion of truth. Coast to coast. Miami to San Diego. So that that is likely unfolding here soon. Um, Ian Trottier with you, of course. Um, today's guest. You know, this is this is like beyond insanity, folks. Uh, five and a half years I've been doing this program, and we the 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 deep state. No more lies. Freedom Reserve. No more lies. Coming out trying day here in a matter of weeks. I suspect. Manuscripts. I've had the contractual agreement, the book uh, agreement, now for over two and a half years, and I suspect the uh, manuscript has uh, been released a couple weeks ago. I suspect it'll be going to print here very, very, very soon. Uh, and I expose and uncover my research of five years as to what I believe the deep state is, and and I'm absolutely positive I know what I'm talking about, folks. Cross-check it, cross-examine it. There's a lot of different factors going on to realizing the, str- the, 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 the reins, if you will, the strings that pull the deep state, that operate the deep state. But, 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 but what is most important is that the deep state is not American. This is a European banking cartel. And they have their hand around Lady Liberty's throat and, and, and choking the constitutional life right out of her. Unfortunately, it seems that maybe half, certainly a quarter, people in California and New York, a quarter of America is letting that life get sucked right out of her. Uh, and that means once, once there is no more constitution, once these rights, I mean, I'm talking to somebody yesterday in California and complaining that the not only the U.S., but the California Constitution, which was once a republic, uh, is not being honored. Remember, these are these are lone star states, such as Texas, California, Arizona. So anyway, uh, the fact that there is a what is otherwise known as an Aurelian Ministry of Defense, a Department of Disinformation, are you kidding me? Under the Homeland Security, the 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 the, the Joe Biden regime, this is a this is a Cuban-born Marxist leading that Homeland Security Department now under under Joseph Biden. Folks, it's beyond insanity. You need to raise your voice. You need to, you need to make your opinion heard now or else your republic will be lost. I, I would suspect within 10 years it will be gone. The United States of America will be absorbed into the United Nations somehow into some type of a North American conglomerate. I mean, it kind of already is through NAFTA, um, North American Free Trade Agreement, in a sense, under the Clinton administration. But I suspect that the the way that Americans are waking up now and the way that uh, the others are just totally going along and and, and sleeping and being completely complacent, you know, like numb, totally numb to the fact that their, their country has been invaded. This is what I'm, this is what I'm, Trying to get the get across, so let's uh, not let uh, not allow Charlotte to to to, to remain uh, holding uh, or standing by anyway. Um, 
follow the pipelines, uncovering the mystery of a lost spy in the deadly politics of the great game for oil. Charlotte Dennett joining us here momentarily and bring her in, bring her on. Uh, Naomi Wolf, quote, uh, says that it's a completely eye-opening and unforgettable book. Uh, and then two quotes that caught my eye, uh, a Russ Baker quote in regards to uh, this work that we talk about today. Charlotte Dennett has a fascinating personal saga to share and a mystery to solve. This book offers the hidden backstory to the history of U.S. involvement in the Middle East. It is the type of broad and deep historical dig that is badly needed, and it helps us see the bigger picture behind policies and failures that affect us today. Suddenly, all these wars make sense, says former guest of Discuss Your Truth, former guest of mine, Russ Baker, author of The Family of Secrets. And then also something that grabbed my eye is uh, Ray McGovern uh, had a quote here about um, Charlotte's work. A mix of curiosity and loyalty of family and country drove Charlotte Dennett to find out if the humanness ascribed to her spymaster father by his Harvard professor could have persisted in the dog-eat-dog espionage surrounding post-World War II access to Middle East oil. She found abundant material to answer that question and many others about the early death of her father and about the origin of the endless wars that have come to characterize the region he loved. We are gifted with an intriguing personal account of the great game for oil and its countless and continuing casualties. Ray McGovern, co-founder, veteran intelligence professionals for sanity. So again, I believe he served 27 years in the CIA, the former CIA analyst, former guest on the program. So we're going to bring on um, Charlotte right now, as I suspect she is standing by very patiently. We'll bring her into and onto discussions of truth. Um, and I, folks, I thank you for uh, thank you for listening. And please, you can pre-order No More Lies, Freedom Reserved. You can pre-order that right now. Books a million. And uh, you want a signed copy, you can go to my website, intratria.com. When they go to print, they're not, they're not in print yet. Uh, so this is uh, Charlotte Dennett. I see she called uh, 20 minutes ago, but the... Unless I've got the... Uh, ah, I got the, I, I got the time wrong. Okay. Uh, no, I got it at 5.15. That's when I usually go. Here she is. Okay. Charlotte Dennett, Charlotte, Ian Trottier here. Welcome to Discuss Your Truth. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. A little late. Yes, uh, a little late here. I see I'm looking through our email, and it looks like you probably were ready to go at 5 o'clock, and uh, I had it down at 5.15, so hopefully you've got a few. Well, that's true, 5.15, so that's better, but I'm um, <laughs> uh, I'm here. I good, do it. good. Let's go. Um, okay. Charlotte, I, 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 you know, the two, there, there are two quotes and uh, there are two quotes, uh, as I'm looking through, uh, looking through who has, who has, uh, contributed, uh, with a review of your work. And, 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 and of course, Nami Wolf is, is a quote that stands out in my mind, but I have not, I've not met her or spoken with her. But, uh, but the two people that I have had on my program and that I have spoken with uh, are Russ Baker and Ray McGovern. Oh, yeah. Sure thing. And Ray, both of them are fa- you know, fascinating individuals. But Ray, I've actually written my own book and I've quoted Ray in that book because I think for a man that did what he did, and I want you to talk about your father and, and what you've uncovered about your father's death. 
Uh, but I think what, what, what Ray has done over the course of the past quarter century, if not more now, um, uh, standing up to the corruption in the Central Intelligence Agency is very bold. And in my view, uh, it seems that Americans are waking up to the fact that, hey, their military has been used for other people's ill, uh, Ill, 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 Ill foughtness or, or ill intent. Uh, I don't know if you'd agree with that or not, but uh, anyway, make, please make an introduction as to who you are and, uh, and, 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 and we'll get into your book a little bit. Well, that's fine, but we're on now, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so who am I? Um, well, Time Magazine's called me a uh, expert in resource-based politics, and what that means is I have a pretty in-depth knowledge of the role of oil and natural gas and pipelines in some of our major conflicts in the world. Uh, one area I focused on particularly is the Middle East, and I can show an oil and pipeline Connecticut to, uh, sorry, connection to the um, battles in Syria, Iraq, and Afghanistan. And then when this war started uh, happening in the Ukraine, I did my rule of thumb. I followed the pipelines. And yep, yep lo and behold, uh, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline that was yeah. to give natural gas from Russia to, to Germany, uh, the U.S. just stopped it from happening, sanctioned it, and that's sort of throwing things in havoc. And then I went even deeper and found out a lot about Ukraine. Uh, it has the second largest natural gas deposits in Europe, and the whole eastern section where the, the real hot battles are going on is where the, the most of the oil and gas reserves are, and including in the Black Sea, which is where Mariupol is and uh, where there's an effort to drive east uh, along the Black Sea. So I consider this uh, battle in Ukraine as a battle between super petrol powers, the U.S. and Russia. That's how. That's the lens that I look through. Well, that's great because that really echoes uh, what I understood. Why uh, uh, Putin got involved in this in the first place? I, I tend to think that he probably would not have. Uh, done this under the previous uh, administration, but uh, but maybe he would have. I'm not sure exactly why the timing. Uh, maybe you want to comment on that. Why why do you think he's chosen this time now to to, to strike? Well, that's hard to say. I, I I honestly can't say. I can say that if you uh, follow a, a timeline, um, you could start as far back as 1992, which is when the Soviet Union dissolved. And there were negotiations that went on at that time between Russia and the U.S., and there was an agreement that, uh, okay, it, it would dissolve, and, and a lot of the former Soviet republics would become independent, but under the condition that NATO and uh, would not, NATO countries would not try to influence these new republics and would not move east one inch. And, and they violated that, okay? So that pissed off the Russians, and it pissed off uh, Biden. I mean, not Biden, Putin. Uh, then you go to 2014, and there was a, uh, a coup that overthrew a pro-Russian 
president and installed a pro-Western one, and then eventually we get Zelensky. So there is uh, evidence that Putin tried repeatedly to get written guarantees that the NATO would not militarize these countries and, and get close to his borders, and that was um, ignored. So at what point uh, does he decide to go in? I, it may be because he said enough is enough. It could be because he was triggered, so to speak. In, in our country, they, they keep saying this is an unprovoked war. Well, I see it as provoked, quite frankly. And um, because, you know, if you're right on the border and you've got all these missiles pointing at uh, Russia um, and there's no time for the Russians to react, especially if we're talking nuclear here, that would only be if the U.S. got involved. But nonetheless, Putin is concerned about his sovereignty. But his problem was he committed an act of aggression by invading. And so that turned a lot of people against him, understandably. And and so we're we're in the mess that we are that we're in, frankly. That's no. as much as I can tell you. I don't know what's in his head, uh, but he he should not be underestimated. He's an ex KGB guy, yeah. and he's a master at the great game. Yeah, he's a master chess player, right? Uh, and yeah, the, I call it the great game for oil, and now I'm calling it the great game for oil and gas. Uh huh. Uh, really well said there, Charlotte. Um, let's get a little bit of history as to um, this is a this is a, a topic of passion for you. I, I sense, um, and I think it has to do with your father. Is that right? You got it right. Yeah, and that's in the title too. Um, uncovering the mystery of a lost spy and the deadly politics of the great game for oil. My father was America's first master spy in the Middle East. He was stationed in Beirut, Lebanon, where I was born, uh, in 1940, from 44 to 47, and uh, his, his um, cover was cultural attaché because he was a scholar on the region. They plucked him right out of Harvard and sent him over there. But the thing is, um, he uh, his last mission was to Saudi Arabia before his death. I was just an infant, uh, but I, I've investigated it. And I wanted to know what what was he doing in Saudi Arabia? What was that about? And because I was able to get his last report, his last letter home, and then I sued the CIA and got documents declassified, what I found out is his job was to determine the route of the Trans-Arabian Pipeline. And I, I found this great article in New York Times as well, March 2, 1947, which goes into the whole geopolitics, the importance of this Saudi oil to the world, uh, and what it was going to do was elevate the United States into superpower status, both in the Middle East and the world, because it was, you know, the biggest reserves of oil. And at that time, uh, well, it's still extremely important. Oil is the fuel of the military. It's something that is often missed in an analysis. So if you aspire to be a superpower, you have to be sure that you can secure enough uh, supply of oil. So this pipeline, it was a huge thing at the time. I found out that America's former allies, uh, the British, the French, the British and the French, and the Russians were all alarmed that the U.S. had this exclusive concession in oil-rich Saudi Arabia. They, they were, they felt threatened by it. So 
that was a fascinating thing I discovered. Uh, and the Russians, uh, the Russians were a new superpower as well. They wanted to get in, whereas the French and the English wanted to hold on to their their um, their role in in controlling that whole area. Uh, anyway, uh, long story short, he, he died on, on uh, in a plane crash headed for Ethiopia, where the U.S. had also gotten exclusive oil concession. And again, much to the alarm of the British and the Russians. So I began to understand this great game, this power struggle, which usually is is played very clandestinely. So you don't see it, you don't read about it in the press. But I was able to follow the pipelines, and I went all the way up to the endless wars in the Middle East and now Ukraine, and found out the the, uh, the great game is going on right before our eyes. And I, I have predicted that if it continues, it's, it's going to be the mother of all energy wars with, with very serious repercussions. That's a, that's a lot to say now. Um... The Keystone Pipeline has been something of dispute. Uh, how do you feel about that? Well, I, I, you know, um, I understand that there's renewed efforts to get uh, these uh, once closed pipelines uh, reopened and working again. And uh, the XL Keystone uh, is, is certainly one of them. Uh, I am of a, of a position... I'm really, frankly, all for uh, developing alternative energy. I, yep. I think our dependence on oil yep. and natural gas is deadly. It's just deadly, and nothing proves it more than this horrific war in Ukraine. And I know that in Europe, uh, the Europeans are are redoubling their efforts to try to convert. Good. Um, well, yep. the sun and solar. I mean, solar and wind and some natural gas. Whereas in the U.S., it's all a, a, a huge hue and cry for drill, baby, drill again. Right. And that's going to have climate consequences, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, talk I a don't little... know what your opinion is. Well, I, yeah, I, 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 I think the oil dependency must it must go, and I think it's partly, partly designed by the powers that be uh, in uh, D.C. and 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 primarily in Wall Street. Uh, but uh, but I, I'm a big big advocate on uh, on relieving. Uh, but you you know you're bringing up a good point in the military. The military is so dependent with their planes and uh, and that sort of thing, dependent on oil. So it is uh, it is is a big a big issue. But I want to, if you would, Charlotte, talk a little bit more about your father. Was your father killed? Uh, excuse me. Was he murdered? I believe his plane was sabotaged, and uh, the reason that I think that was, um, first of all, I, when I read the obituary as an adult starting to investigate, uh, there were things in the, the obituary that were missing. It didn't even mention his trip to Saudi Arabia. And the official explanation was that he was on a vacation junket to Ethiopia. Well, I had his last report. It wasn't a vacation junket. He was there to explore more developing oil ties with Ethiopia, and I knew that, um, well, I eventually found out when the plane crashed, I was able to get the accident report, and there was an aerial camera that was smashed. Well, that would have been to photograph pipeline routes, and there was highly sensitive telecommunications equipment on the plane, 
as well as the petroleum attache who was stationed in Cairo. So I knew this thing was all about oil, and the obituary was my first tip-off. But eventually, I was able to attend a a meeting of spooks, ex-spooks, in Washington, D.C., and I was able to talk to one of the men who uh, knew of my father. And uh, what he told me is he said it was it was a terrible loss, and that was because of his huge knowledge of the region and their culture and their language. But then he added, and I suspect he had one wine too many, he said, we always thought it was sabotage, but we couldn't prove it. So that was a moment of vindication for me, uh, and I, I kept pursuing it. And it's all in the book. I put the pieces together. And uh, I can say that that I think I've proven the motive, and um, but I've not been able to prove who precisely. I, I, I'm pretty close to understanding um, who would have wanted this to happen, but not the individuals. Although I suspect, and I will add this, that the world's most famous um, double agent at the time, Kim Philby, uh, may have been involved, and Kim Philby um, famously worked for the Americans, but also um, was working for the Russians. So, anyway, that's a clue. It's a clue to why a good one. Uh, he might be involved, because both the Russians and the Americans didn't want the, Ameri- uh, the U.S. to be a rising power in the region. But there's more in the book. If, if you like mysteries... Um, you would like to read Follow the Pipelines, I think. If you want to understand all these endless wars, I mean, some people yeah. have said this is the book that that finally explains it because people are very confused about what's going on. Yeah, Russ Baker, as a matter of fact, has, has said something along those lines. Uh, I, I want you to talk a little bit about what your uh, chapter 10 is reimagining a new world order. Uh, and of course, uh, readers will go in and, and, and read that that chapter. Uh, but what is this new world order that you can at least whet listeners' appetites to Charlotte? Uh, this has been discussed. Of course, it's on the back of the U.S. currency, the, the Federal Reserve note. Um, and uh, 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 certainly George Bush uh, Sr. mentioned it in speeches. Uh, many, many have. I believe Obama's mentioned this. What is this new world order in your in your view? Oh, well, my new world order is a different one than theirs. i got to say that right off the bat. I mean, I'm also uh, the co-author of a book about Nelson Rockefeller uh, and uh, how he built an empire in Latin America. So, um, with my husband, the main author of the book, it's called Thy Will Be Done, The Conquest of the Amazon, Nelson Rockefeller and Evangelism in the Age of Oil. So that book explains their concept of a world order. And and what they're saying now is, you know, post-World War II, we have been able to establish a relative degree of world order. Uh, I would dispute that. I would certainly say uh, the, the war in Vietnam was not a uh, orderly thing. <laughs> without conflict. I would say the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan as well. I mean, I mean, the, the current people that are, that are engaged in this war, do they think we don't have a historical memory? It, it kind of 
kind of drives me crazy. But anyway, uh, I, no, I envision a, a new world that will not be dependent on fossil fuels, and that once that happens, we and, and there will be more development of, of wind and solar, uh, that we will have less conflict in the world, for sure, because these oil wars, they're creating dictators. You know, they're, they're so intent on, on controlling every, every aspect of people's lives, including the oil, that it, it's a very, very dangerous phenomenon, in my opinion. And I think this maybe this war in Ukraine will be a turning point. Yeah, it seems... People will really start reassessing Charlotte. You bring up another good point. It seems to be creating, uh, it seems to be centralizing power, doesn't it? It, it seems to be centralizing power based off of um, this economic, the, the backbone of the economic model that the oil is, uh, the oil is uh, based on, isn't it? Uh, you're pretty. Yeah, well, well, look at look, look at Russia. I mean, it's almost totally dependent on and natural gas and its exports. I mean, they should have, they haven't even sufficiently diversified, but Putin made a, a calculation that he could fund his military with the, with the oil profits. And of course, this is a dilemma for the West because uh, as long as this goes on, the price of oil is going to be high and they're going to be profiting on both sides, which makes me think that this, uh, this conflict is going to go on. They're going to dig in uh, to see who can control the oil and the natural gas, and they won't, they won't let the other side you know, get access. So that's what we're headed for, and I'm just hoping that enough people will, will see it and, and say enough already. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to drive us into nuclear war here or World War III? Uh, it's very dangerous. So, um, you know, we can only hope that this, this period will, will end. I, I used to think coming out of COVID, yeah. you know, that there would be uh, a sort of a, a, a new realignment, a new thinking, even, even a renaissance. I, I, I actually studied art history, if you can believe this, in Florence, Italy, and got my master's degree in there. But one of the things I learned is that the, the beautiful renaissance that it came out of a very medieval time and it was a response to the black death in other words people were were so appalled at what the black death showed the, the horrific poverty the horrific lacking of uh, medicine and health that they they wanted a new society and that's what i'm hoping for that's what i was hoping for coming out of COVID, and then all of a sudden we're hit with this war in ukraine yeah Oh yeah, there's no no doubt about it, Charlotte. No doubt about it. I think yeah, the people that the people that gravitate to the work that I do and the people that uh, the, the the work that I do, the, 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 those that resonate the information that resonates, these are people that typically uh, typically will initially start an alternative concept or view as to what the official narrative is. So that's that's the those are the people that listen to me. That is my audience. 
Um, and it, it started for me, Charlotte, it started for me in 2016, uh, when I started talking on Winwood radio in Miami and, um, and, and, and then that's, uh, ba- basically I was invited to talk about my research behind the Zika virus and the controversial pesticide that Rick Scott was allowing, uh, what seems to be the CDC and therefore the tie to the world health organization to spray on these people. And people were irate about it because it was banned in Europe. It was deemed a neurotoxin. It was known to cause microcephaly. But then the CDC came back to the Miami-Dade people in Miami Beach, where I was at at the time, saying that it was totally safe and that it didn't exactly cause microcephaly with all the information and research went otherwise. So I spoke to someone one day, uh, and Kitty was her name. She invited me down to the online radio station, and I began talking about it. And, And from there... Charlotte, from there, I began talking. Uh, I, I just kind of said, I said, OK, so enough is enough. I'm going to question any government narrative uh, uh, that I find uh, somewhat awkward or fishy. And I'm just going to begin doing it. And so that's how uh, that's how Ray McGovern ended up joining my show. And then that's yeah. uh, that's how Russ Baker ended up joining my show. Because, yeah, good old Russ. you know, I worked on his book, his book on, uh, on the Bush family. He yeah. was one of the researchers on it. And he said, you know, you did a good job. Interesting. Um, but I think what, what do you see now? You see in 2022, um, you, you think more Americans are starting to um, become aware of uh, what might be happening to their country? What do you how do you see the, the layout of, 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 of the country right now? himself. And so um, 
he has a way of winning over loyalty for, for seeming to uh, stick it to the man, so to speak. But, but actually, I, I, I frankly think Trump is extremely dangerous, and uh, I, I'm sad to see that happen. On the other hand, there is justifiable um, suspicion of uh, neoliberalism, frankly, and that, that's where the Rockefellers reign supreme. Uh, these are the people who think that they're uh, going to create a new world order, and um, I think more people are looking at that, frankly, but I don't know if they're enough. I, I just can't say. You know, Henry Kissinger, he was Nelson Rockefeller's protege, and then, then he went on to become Secretary of State, and, you know, this, this highly regarded statesman, he once said, if you control the oil, you control the world. And he knew, because he worked with Nelson Rockefeller and that whole network. And I think that uh, more people are becoming aware, but not enough. And, and one of the things I hope to do uh, with my book, Follow the Pipelines, yeah. is to uh, you know get people even more aware of the insidious role that, that oil plays in wars. You know, we've seen, we've heard about climate change, and uh, we, we've heard about pollution and so on, but uh, it's the war that, that it fuels uh, that, that is so serious. And it, it's all like this, this network of uh, oil, finance, and military. And, you know, you, you can't uh, distribute oil if you're landlocked except through pipelines. But the big banks won't invest in you unless there's stability. So if you want stability, then you've got to send in the military to protect the pipeline route. And uh, you want to make sure that the oil is paid in dollars. And as all of this is going on right now, and um, it, it, it takes some figuring out um, to, to be able to know what is happening and how the hell we're going to get out of this. But getting away from oil, I really do believe, is, is essential. Uh, Charlotte, <laughs> you're incredibly, incredibly well researched here, and uh, and and it sounds like you know very solidly what you're talking about. As we wind down, and, and I take up just a few more moments moments of your time, um, talk a little bit about how you see Biden dealing with this. Uh, do you think he's doing a good job? Where would the critique be? Where he might be doing could do a better job? Yeah, he's, he's trying not to get into a direct conflict, obviously, with Russia, but he's obviously getting congressional approval to send money over to finance this Ukrainian uh, uh, defense uh, against this Russian invasion. Uh, what are some further thoughts in regards to how the current uh, well, commander in chief? What, what is it, 40 billion dollars in military aid? Oh, my God. You know, when you think of where that could have gone, where it could have gone. Uh, some of it could have gone. I mean, his, his whole program, the Build, Build Back Better program, yeah. that would have helped people in their communities. Well, forget about that. You know, now it's everything pushing to 
further militarize uh, Ukraine. So I, I've been watching it carefully. I think he's under huge pressure. I think he actually want, wants to diversify away from dependence on fossil fuel, but now he's got this war on his hands and a lot of pressure on him to uh, forget about climate change, go back to drilling, and he, he's caving to that, frankly, uh, which I'm sorry about. And like, how, how do we know what he knows, you know? Yeah. I, I yeah. feel like the media is not telling us the whole story. Uh, that's one thing. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, the way that they're painting Putin um, as sort of this wild man, he, he's very shrewd. So I can't say, I, I really cannot say yet, but I have a feeling that if this thing goes on much longer, there's going to start to be a lot of questioning of how uh, the Biden administration has handled it and how NATO has handled it. Let's just see what happens. And let's not forget the absolute disasters in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. going to be learned. Right. And what, what, what about uh, Charlotte? What are your thoughts on this disinformation department? Uh, you think that's appropriate under the Homeland Security? Uh, the, oh, God, I, I, I really can't. I haven't seen enough on that. The disinformation mm -hmm. department. Yeah, I mean, it's on both sides. That's the, that's the sure. fact. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I think that the U.S. and its NATO allies have had a, have done a better job of it. You know, but um, you know, Putin saying that that is just a what is it a military operation? I mean, come on, it's, it's an invasion. It's an invasion, it's right? Aggression. But but the other side uh, on how they're painting it, um, unprovoked. No, I don't agree with that. It's not unprovoked, and that's why I say that once people start to get into the history that led up to this war, I'm gonna. I, I think they're gonna start asking. Good. Excellent. You know, there's all this talk about genocide, right? That was the pretext that was used by NATO to get involved in, in Libya. And it wasn't just that genocide had happened. They were worried that genocide was going to happen. And and that was the pretext to for the U.S. And, and military to get into Libya and overthrow that regime. So so keep your antennas up on this because they're, they're talking about that. They're talking about weapons of mass destruction. Okay? Pay attention to that, too. It goes on both sides. That's what I'm saying. I, I sort of say, you know, plague on both your houses. Let's get over this insanity. Yeah, the polarization. That's a woman's voice in me, I think. Follow the pipelines uncovering the mystery of a lost spy. That's uh, Charlotte's father and the deadly politics of the great game for oil, which has now been going on for decades. Uh, Charlotte, thank you for joining the, the program. Discuss your truth. Uh, leave listeners with some final thoughts and some final words, if you would. Do everything you can to find out what's going on. Try Adopt skepticism on all sides. Try to seek out the people who are trying to tell the truth, and I thank you for having me on this show because that's what I'm trying to do, trying to show what's really going on with Follow the Pipelines. And they can go to a Follow the Pipelines website as well. I'm still building it. I'm going to be adding more. I'm going to talk about pipeline wars in other parts of the globe. Well, it sounds like we've got... 
Yeah, get informed. It sounds like we've got uh, a few people that uh, are, 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 are somewhat interconnected, especially if you've you've done research for Russ. Um, so our paths will probably likely cross the pen I, again, I hope. And I'd like to hear more about uh, uh, your work on Nelson Rockefeller when that's ready to release. Sure. Yeah. Okay, well, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much, Charlotte. So Charlotte Dennett, folks, and uh, you know it. Uh, a New England. She's from New England. I can tell. I, I just the the accent. She sounded a lot to me very similar uh, in the way she spoke and her mannerisms to a woman that I greatly admired, uh, and that was uh, Charlotte Iserbit. and uh, Iserbite, Iserbit, I'd say Iserbit. Uh, and Charlotte, Charlotte, had, Charlotte was one of my first, first guests within the first year of doing this show. Um, uh, she, uh, of course, uh, exposed the corruption in the Department of Education uh, as having been fired by Ronald Reagan for being opposed to the uh, program Betterment of, Betterment of Education through Science and Technology. Uh, and she said, frankly, the uh, the power was being taken from the organizations like the PTA, the parents, and given in given to these kind of mega computer uh, algorithmic programs. That's my understanding. I might be off, but uh, whatever her view was, and I'd have to go back and listen to the episode that I did with her four years ago, I suppose now. Uh, that's what I recall was the issue. Uh, Charlotte recently passed away. Uh, within the past couple months, I believe. And another person that's passed away that is a former guest on the show is uh, Russell Pine, Jordan Maxwell. And one thing I really like about Jordan, ladies and gentlemen, is is Jordan was able to step back from a religious standpoint, a organized religious standpoint, because we have obviously various organized religions. And from the basis of the inception of the United States government in 1776, and even from the, the sailing of the Mayflower, it was all about the independence, right? The independence, the ability to think freely in regards to definition of God, uh, right? Freedom of religion, the cornerstone of this constitution um, that Paul Craig Roberts has said on this show that uh, we simply don't have. It's a facade. We think we have it. We don't. And that's might be very true. Um, certainly, he would know much more than I do as having a fellowship from Oxford and from Stanford. But... Um, but the the thing that I liked about Russell, Jordan Maxwell, a.k.a. Jordan Maxwell, was that he was able to step back and evaluate interpretation of reality through religion from what, what he termed, uh, may have been termed by other people, but certainly through him, uh, something called astrotheology, which is basically man's ability to depict um, astrology uh, through their interpretation and, and, and refine it scientifically, mathematically. Um, and that type of interpretation is seen through things like uh, geometry, uh, uh, certainly geometry, but I'm thinking of numerology, uh, gematria. Um, this is a mathematical scientific interpretation of the mechanics of the planetary movement um, and how they equate to our own personal day-to-day life and practices and decisions. Very interesting concept. Um, but anyway, so astrotheology, something that, that uh, Maxwell spoke about. 
Um, and he joined the program January 2nd or 3rd, first couple of days of, of, uh, of the new year of 2020. So it's been, been over two years. Um, but Charlotte Dennett, an incredible, obviously a very wise woman, very well researched. And, uh, and you can find, please go out and get her book. Uh, Follow the Pipelines, Uncovering the Mystery of a Lost Spy and the Deadly Politics of the Great Game for Oil. Unfortunately, her father was, sounds like, killed. Uh, he was one of America's tops, top spies, and the first spy of that region, it sounds like. Um, so, so, yes, folks, we, we, have, we have work to do. We have big-time work to do. Um, it's, it is appalling to me. It just how disgusting we are have allowed our government to become. And she said it, Charlotte said it very well. It's, it's, you know, I don't know if she used the word disgusting, but she used the word polarized. And that's exactly what I feel when you read my book. That is the intent behind these deep state mechanics. They want a divide in this country. They want American pitting themselves against Americans. They want a divide because once there's a divide, then you can, can create a conflict. Then you can draw a line and you create a conflict. People are forced to take sides. And once you can take sides, then you can move in and you can, you can manipulate the game, if you will, the chessboard. You can manipulate things. That's been happening for quite a while. Fortunately for America, they have been able to see past political differences and say, okay, well, you know what? I will eat down. I will eat my hamburger in front of you, even though you're wearing, even though you're wearing a, uh, uh, a, a Donald Trump hat or, or whatever it may be, but we're getting, we're getting dangerously more divided folks. Um, so stand convicted in your political ground. Uh, but what I like to say is this, uh, I like to say it doesn't really matter what political party you're behind because, frankly, I don't care. I I don't care if you're Green Party. I don't care if you're Libertarian. I, I don't. It doesn't make any difference to me what your party is, because if you have a resolution that best brings people together in a peaceful manner, that's what's important to me. And therefore, no other form of government or document has done a better job at doing that. And in my view, there's no reason, no reason uh, to adjust it. You know, maybe some amendments, fine. But um, the United States Constitution, the core principles of that do not need to be touched or even remotely considered changed. Um, and so if you are supporting those, regardless of your party affiliation, then, uh, then you press forward in your work. That's how I see things. Uh, and people that really need to get past any type of, oh, you're Democrat or, oh, you're Republican, you know, you're bad, you're bad because you're this, you, you know, I mean, I have some respect, I have some respect for the, the, the Constitution and, and freedoms and Bill of Rights, um, the Federalist Papers, um, have some respect for what has made this country so great. And unfortunately, yes, it's very unfortunate that the economic machine that it has built itself off of is incredibly corrupt. And ties right back to the central banks uh, out of Switzerland and Basel, uh, and through my book, um, through my book, I point fingers at the uh, at the Vatican. I simply, I simply do. I simply do. That's what I do through my research, and 
people can disagree, people can agree. But what is most important, again, is to hold on, hold on to those fibers uh, and those, 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 those principles, those ferocious principles of the United States Constitution. You get, get past political divides. Divide. It doesn't make, doesn't make it. Shouldn't make a difference. Shouldn't make a difference what political party Joe Biden is. The fact that he's now, uh, it seems, was it executive order? I'm not sure. I think it was an executive order. He's now given this guy Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, who I call a Cuban-born Marxist. I'm standing with that until proven wrong. Uh, he's now given him the the reins over deploying this uh, disinformation department. This is serious. This is serious business here, folks. This is a serious issue. This is a serious issue because what it means is that, maybe I'm wrong, but what it means is that big government can now come to a small voice like me, for instance, and say, well, you know, Ian, we think that what you're talking about is misinformation. It's disinformation. Or this author that has just joined, joined me, Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte, you know, we're, I think your information is, even though your father went to Harvard, you know, even though Ray McGovern, even though these great people have made comments about your work, even though you've researched for Russ Baker, no, we, we're going to deem you a, 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 a disinformation, right? A, a, you're part of the disinformation. Therefore, you're harming you're you're a, you're a harm to your to to your neighbors and your people, and you must be. Well, you know what's the next step, folks? What you you must be removed from society. You must be removed from your community. I mean, can we give me a break? Is that how far they're willing to go? But you need to catch it now, ladies and gentlemen. You need to catch this right now. You need to call it out. You need to say, no, I've got a problem with that because we have freedom of speech. We have freedom of press. We can say, we can speak whatever we like in this country, and until until and unless. You demand that that be enforced. We have major problems here, folks. And that's where I'm just thinking practically. Okay, I never joined the military. I'm really a nonviolent person. I'm a very peaceful person. And I think violence is a very weak form uh, of decision making. I just simply do think it is. I've never, I've never hurt anybody with any malintent physically at all, ever. And, and, I, and, I, and I don't think I ever will. But I will if I have to, and I will defend my right to Second Amendment because nobody, nobody, nobody is going to control my speech or my writing or my ability to whatever, practice religion freely, which I'm not religious. Frankly, I have been at some points in my life, but I'm really not. And I will defend your right to those three things as well. You can stand up on a corner on a public street and public sidewalk and you can say whatever you want. People don't have to listen. They can turn away. They can walk away. They can ignore you. That's your right and that's their right. And I will support and defend your right to do that. So a lot of different dynamics moving in this, uh, in this country today. And uh, I simply do what I feel is my best approach to make and have an effect on people. And I will end again. I will end with this is not about a political party, folks. This is now about your constitution and your constitutional rights and your bill of rights. That's what this is about. So you have to get past the bickering and the divide. You have to move past that and you have to see the quality important and importance of what our founding fathers have handed down to us. You must support that. And you must do that at all costs. And uh, it was Patrick Henry who said, this, give me liberty, liberty or give me death. It's the way it's going to have to be, folks. going to have to be able to stand up for yourself as I, as I am. Uh, so let me, let me, let me, let me, let me 
let me let me now leave you again for a second time, but let me leave you with this quote. Um, and the quote is this, uh, uh, from a, an editor, uh, his name is Max Swafford. He's a retired quote, forensic interviewer and author in my most recent book, which you can pre-order right now at books a million. Uh, it's listed on Amazon, but you can literally, literally pre-order at books a million. Um, Go to my website, pre-order signed copies. As soon as I get those copies in, I will sign it and ship it off to you. So it's all pre-order right now. Um, it does disclose my understanding of the deep state and how I define it. Um, it will, it will be mind stretching for you. Is my guess. It will stretch your mind. Um, but this is a very nice quote. I'm leaving you with this. Um, on May 11th, 2022, Discussions of Truth. In this riveting new book, No More Lies, Ian Trottier combines radio interviews with his own historical research to create a montage of linkages throughout history that connects the dots between corrupt politicians, shadowy corporations, big tech, big pharma, and dubious international banking magnets. This book portrays the freedom destroying force in this world known as the deep state and calls for the readers to stand up in the defense of freedoms guaranteed by the American Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Donald Trump once described Ian as a prize fighter, and in this amazing work, he is delivering a knockout punch to corruption around the globe. The very nice words that Max had to say, and I thank him for that. Uh, and ladies and gentlemen, until next time, be a voice, make a difference, be good to people, and, uh, and be awesome.